Conversation. Humans helping humans learn, lead, and inspire. Hello and welcome to The Conversation. I am absolutely delighted to be speaking with Dr. Nathan Lang today. He was an aspiring weatherman and astronaut turned educator. He loves to learn and connect with others via Twitter. And that is where I first found Nathan. I was blown away by his tweets and the quotes that he shared. He's actually the co-founder of two Twitter chats, hashtag leadupchat and hashtag divergeed. He's currently authoring two books, one about instructional coaching and the other about mathematics instruction with Dr. Marzano. Before joining the CDWG, where he is currently an educational strategist, he was a national consultant with Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Previously, he was the director of elementary curriculum and instruction for Metropolitan Nashville Public Schools. He has also been a high school science teacher, elementary assistant principal, high school assistant principal, university adjunct professor, and he was an education supervisor at NASA's Johnson Space Center. Thanks for joining us. A mighty fine resume, Mr. Nathan Lang. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It is such a treat to actually be able to interview you today. We've been going back and forth for a little while. How are you? I know, right. Well, it is a treat to finally be able to be on your show. I'm honored that you asked me, so thank you so much, Jenna, Mm -hmm. and I'm excited to be a part of this. Yeah, and one thing I'd like you to know, Nathan, is I was really blown away by your tweets and the things that you shared. So in today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about your background, what you were like as a kid, some of the work that you've done, which is really impressive. And it's amazing to me that you were an aspiring astronaut and somehow you found yourself with the astronauts. I love that. So we'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about your five most popular tweets. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. Uh, Everything except talking about me as a kid, but we'll get through it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So without further ado, what were you like as a kid? (laughs) Uh, Very interesting upbringing. So I definitely consider myself now very privileged and, and lucky uh, to have so much, but as a kid, I definitely was raised in poverty, and mm-hmm. so very underprivileged. I was probably more contemplative and very introspective. Uh, I know I was, I daydreamed a lot, I used mm-hmm. my imagination a lot, so you would find me a lot of times just outside, I'd find a stick on the ground, and I would pick it up, and I would just you know, throw the stick around and hit a tree and and just kind of make up these stories in my head. Just kind of visualize myself in a in a different place and, and doing really neat things. And so always, always crafting these fictional stories in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at school, I, I was a great student. I've found that I enjoyed 
academics and I didn't really question school. I just, to me, it was um, just a pathway to something bigger and better one day. I think mm-hmm. I knew that I had to get out of my, my circumstances back then. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I had to do, to do well in school to be able to get to something bigger and better. So okay. yeah, that's, uh, I guess a little bit about me uh, as a kid. Yeah. What I get is that uh, your childhood what had its challenges, you were in poverty, and you had challenges, and you didn't question school, but you found a way to access your imagination, which is, I'm going to guess, something that allowed you to move away from what was your current circumstances. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, I had encountered some successes along the way, and mm-hmm. I had this narrative, and I think some of it had to do with with my upbringing, and you know, my dad and I did not have a great relationship, and mm-hmm. um, I think I was told things that I you know couldn't amount to something, and and I was made to feel that you know I, I wouldn't be successful, and so I think that whenever I found those small successes mm-hmm. along the way, whether it be at school or with friendships. I thought to myself, I I can do this, and I do have control of my own destiny. And regardless of maybe the voices internally and those externally, what they've told me, I know that I can overcome those, and and this is proof, this is evidence that that can happen. Wow. So even as a child, you could recognize that those successes could help you overcome your current circumstances. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Nathan. When you talked about uh, school, you didn't question school. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, the reason why I bring that up is because I question everything now. Okay. <laughs> I'm, probably the biggest, I'm probably one of the biggest dissenters, disruptors. I think I definitely bucked the system. I want to do everything that's different from the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably one of the most, <laughs> well, if you find me in a room in a, in a professional learning or professional development, I'm the one who's probably the most ADHD and wanting to get up and do something different and yeah. challenging what's being said. But I was very different as a, as a kid. And mm-hmm. I think that probably because of my upbringing, I was seeking some kind of stability. Mm-hmm. And so at life, I was also seeking affirmation. So I felt that in order to be affirmed by a teacher in school, I needed to do what I was told. Mm-hmm. And I would I would not go against authority. I also appreciated rules and I knew how to, to keep rules. And, and so for me, as a, as a kid who was trying to find his, his way and felt unstable at home, I think I found some kind of sense of security in school. So I was able to kind of know my path and know what I had to do to be successful. So I think that's probably why I didn't question. And it's probably led me to where I am today where I question everything. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, Nathan, thank you for sharing that. Now, in school, you knew what you had to do to be affirmed by the teacher and in that way somehow validated your experience that you knew you could follow the directions and do what was required But somehow as you grew up, you knew you had to start questioning things. You love to question things. (laughs) When you're in professional development environments, you're the first to bounce up and pop around and look at how things can be done differently. So was there a defining moment between being a child that did as he was told to then being an adult who really enjoys disruption? 
yeah, I would say it was a series of of defining moments, and maybe mm-hmm. not one in particular. I would say if I was to to think of, which is actually a great segue into adulthood, which was graduation. Okay. And I remember I graduated with highest honors, so I had the opportunity to give a speech. Okay. And I remember being so nervous and just so anxious about giving a speech in front of hundreds of people. And I got up there and I spoke from my heart and received all kinds of affirmations and I felt it went well. And I think from that point forward, I realized that I can deliver something different than what is the norm and it's going to resonate with people. I think that was a small way of, you know, in my speech, being able to share some things that was that was meaningful to me that may have not been the, the traditional speech. Mm-hmm. It's something that I thought would resonate with my classmates. And so I think that was one small beginning to a series of, of, of defining moments where I felt that, you know, I need to be a questioner. I need to inquire not only for myself, but to help bring others along this road, because I think we're all searching for ways that we can better ourselves and more importantly as a social collective group and and, and globally uh, to obviously explore places we never explored uh, figuratively and literally and just to make the world a better place and, and so I think looking through my, my past um, looking at opportunities to work at NASA and being able to be a principal at the age of 27 and uh, lots of these things things that I think early on as a kid I was told, you can't do this. And so whenever I realized I, I can do this, I think back is because I was bold enough to take a risk and I was bold mm-hmm. enough to ask questions and bold enough to say, I can do this and, and I'm going to. Wow. I'm really blown away by you, Nathan. <laughs> I'm really you. I'm yeah. really blown away by your tenacity, your drive, your desire to make a difference not only in your life, but bringing other people along with you. And the speech that you gave, I, I wish there was a recording or somewhere I could hear it. I would love to hear it. But what I get, Nathan, is that you understand people. And your access to people, I think, is in the authentic way that you share, that you question, and that you're real. You know, I have to say at this moment, when I initially contacted you, based on the tweets that I was liking and, you know, retweeting, because I really there was such a power in what you shared, I expected you to be this larger-than-life sort of... I was, I was really surprised how gentle and kind you were. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. It also makes me question what other people think of me. So uh, maybe we need to do, maybe this podcast will help. Yeah, well, you know, it just, the tweets come off as the truth. And there's nothing apologetic about what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, you're not afraid to say what needs to be said. Right. I get that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think just... And it goes to show where my own imagination went, you know, like I just pictured you this gigantic giant of a human being who, you know, 
I'm impressed. Dom- I'm impressed by and dominant and saying this is the way things should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe you know, maybe that's what it is. And but at the same time, there's this immediate compassion in speaking to you. I get compassion, and I get that you really care about people. And I'm so glad you are in that Twitter space, sharing what you do. Because it's made a difference for me. And later we're going to go back to a quote that you shared. And we'll talk about what that quote means to both of us. But what you're up to gives access to others in your questioning. Nathan, I want to share one more thing with you. I was recently at an event and I heard the quote, The quality of your life is reflected by the questions you ask. Mm, It's powerful. Yeah. And so looking at where you started to where you've where you are currently in your journey has everything to do with the questions you ask, huh? Absolutely. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. And I think that we never know the full potential of what we can be and, and the full um, scope of, of what can happen in our environment if we don't ask those questions. Yeah. And I think that also drives us is we don't know it's possible unless we ask. And so we think through, like, what's the worst that can happen? And yeah. I also think, of course, from myself, you know, I have not mastered this, nor I don't know if we'll ever be master questioners because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the human condition is so affected by fear. And so we have a sense to hold back a lot of times because of fear of what people think. And we all also have a desire to be safe and secure. And so when we question we open ourselves up to vulnerabilities and we open mm-hmm. ourselves up uh, to not be secure and safe anymore. And so we have to continually uh, remind ourselves that this may take some discomfort mm-hmm. and it, it may take, I love how Seth Godin says, you know, dancing with fear. We have to kind of dance with fear, not be afraid of it, not, not run from it and not compartmentalize it, but know that it's always going to be a part of decision making. It's always going to be a part of, of questioning. Yeah. Beautifully said, Nathan. Wow. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Uh, There is fear, there's love, there's all the emotions we can experience. And when we're safe and comfortable, it's fine. But when we're up to big things, then we are dancing with fear. Yeah. I recently posted uh, a shot from the airplane recognizing that I am sailing through the skies with incredible velocity. And this is it. This is... This is the life. I'm doing what I love, and it's exciting, and it's bold, and it's the best kind of scary. Yeah. Because when, you, when you're up to that big game, it is scary. Mm-hmm. There's no easy way. And I think it's great that you're reflective and, and that you acknowledge that. I think that's yeah. another step in this process is we acknowledge that <laughs> – that yes, there is fear there, and it's, it's mm-hmm. nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. It doesn't speak. It doesn't speak to ourselves as a person that we're weak. Yeah. Um, it acknowledges that, and actually, we can find strength and we can find security in knowing that we are um, we are taking risks, knowing that uh, the potential for good that can mm-hmm. happen mm-hmm. Uh, because of a risk that we took. So I think it's great that you were reflecting that moment uh, up in the plane. Uh, <laughs> I, I travel a lot, so I find planes are great places to be reflective. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, with you that, for sure. Thank you, Nathan. Wow, you're, you're just so much fun to talk with. And thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you. 
Now, we're going to move on to your tweets, your top five tweets. All right. And so I'm going to read the tweet and ask you some questions, or you can just share, you know, what was behind the tweet. Mm. Okay. These tweets are incredible, in Thank my you. opinion, and in many other people's opinions. <laughs> so, the first one. Many teachers spend their time searching for activities. The best teachers spend their time creating experiences. Mm, yeah. What's behind that, that? Yeah. You know, a lot of the tweets that, all the tweets that mm-hmm. I put out there have, have personal meaning behind them. So, uh, of course, I was a teacher, and I think I probably was a non-example in many times, <laughs> mm-hmm. or example of what not to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I'm, I've learned from those things. And so I remember as a teacher, I just spent so much time finding tasks and, and, mm-hmm. and things to do. But when years later, and when my students would contact me, and they've graduated, and they send me a message to say how much fun they had. It was always the times where we had a meaningful experience. So it was when I brought my class down to the bayou. I lived in Houston and we did water testing and the fun we had. And they, of course we would go to McDonald's on Fridays because mm-hmm. it, was, it was on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the, the fun the labs that we did and just the discoveries we made when we were in lab because I was a science teacher. And so it was always experiences that were transformative and it's what stuck with kids. Mm -hmm. And so as teachers, obviously the research points towards discovery and inquiry and questioning, go figure, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about, that's been the theme of today, Mm -hmm. uh, which obviously is inherently inquiry, but as teachers, I found that as learners, adults and students and children, that's how we are going to truly uncover uh, mysteries and truly dive into to learning uh, at a level that we've never been a part of before when we don't focus on the, the low-hanging fruit, which are worksheets and tasks and, mm-hmm. and assignments, but uh, truly creating meaningful experiences. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm over here, like, just nodding my head. (laughs) I'm crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's the experiences and those shared experiences when kids get to talk about what they're they're learning or what they're discovering and the questions they ask and how they support their own learning, the development of what's possible. Yeah. So it is through experiences. Beautiful, Nathan. All right, let's move on to number two. Students would rather learn from a teacher who always treats them with respect than one who's always right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, we talk about social-emotional learning a lot in schools, and really what it comes down to is students are going to learn once they feel safe they must they feel affirmed and it's it does not matter what the content is it does not matter it can be the most amazing activity but for it to be a truly transformative experience for to stay with the student there has to be a relationship and so it's more important to get that right and i think that's a theme that's embedded throughout the the school year and is not something that's happens one time it's a continual uh, relationship building between teachers Mm -hmm. and students Oh, yeah. Totally. Nathan, Mm -hmm. high five. (laughs) 
<laughs> you touched on yeah. everything that is so important to me personally, that right. students feel safe and affirmed, recognized, understood that, you know, we are also nurturing and building on their own social, emotional intelligence and providing opportunities for connection. So when you say a, a student's well, students would rather learn from a teacher who always treats them with respect than one who is always right. That lands. That lands really big for me. And I'm sure for many other listeners who are listening right now, it's one thing to expect respect, and it's another to earn that respect. And Jenna, mm-hmm. like just hearing you just then made me think too, as adults, think back to the most powerful experiences we've had in a a learning setting Mm -hmm. and when the facilitator or presenter or teacher uh, made me feel inspired and made me feel good about myself Mm -hmm. then I felt more empowered to go and do something different or change my course or try something new Uh, it wasn't because they were so bent on driving their point across. Mm -hmm. It was more about how they made me feel in the moment. And so that's what's going to change people's behaviors, not compliance or not proving that you're right about a particular subject. Yeah. Nathan, (laughs) we should talk daily. (laughs) Hey, I'm game for that. (laughs) I'd love to speak with you daily. That's so great. And So true. As you're talking, I could think back to like 10 or 15 times in my own experience where I just felt so incredibly respected and and understood by a teacher that I was, uh, like you said, inspired to then go on and look further and look deeper and help the other students around me have that as well. Oh, happy sigh. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) happy size is the best (laughs) okay number three best practices lose their effectiveness when we use them as an excuse to keep doing what we've always been doing (laughs) that's loaded in all kinds of excellent ways (laughs) well and i have to confess i overuse the word best practice a lot and i think Again, it's out of fear, and it's easy whenever you are introducing a new initiative Mm -hmm. and you want people to change, it's very easy to say, oh, it's a best practice, Mm -hmm. then let's do it. So with this tweet, it's almost on the the flip side. It's almost antithetical to what I just said. It is more of, hey, this is research-based. Let's continue to do it. So let's say there's research around direct instruction. And so a teacher may say, well, we should continue lecturing because it's direct instruction. And obviously direct instruction is so much more than, than, than lecture. So I find that we can honor best practices. We can look at what the research says. We have to apply it in the context of our environment today mm-hmm. and what motivates and drives students. And so we can take a best practice and adapt and evolve and change it for the betterment of our students. So it's not an excuse to stay where we are. Mm-hmm. Wow. In this tweet and your explanation, I can think of a million times I've seen something as a quote-unquote best practice or this is how it's always been done. We know this works. Really? Are you sure? Because the kids coming into your classroom year after year, they're different. Mm-hmm. They're Absolutely. a different bunch of humans, and 
no two are alike and the dynamics within the classroom, you know, that sort of drives, I would hope, where the teacher takes their instruction and how they can make it personal for those kids. I think one of the greatest challenges I face is just being okay with some, I don't know, Nathan, help. Uh, some, te- <laughs> some teachers who've been teaching the same way for decades. <laughs> and I, yeah. I don't want to put judgment out there. I don't want anyone to be made wrong. But there's something to look at here, and your tweet is pointing to that. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I will say, as a system, we have promoted this with teachers. And I, I want to not defend mm-hmm. teachers who've done that, but also give credence to we have put so much on teachers' plates yes. that it's easier to reuse a lesson plan than mm-hmm. to put the time and effort and the collaboration necessary to change it up. Mm-hmm. And so if we want teachers to teach differently as leaders, we have got to change the way that we have created the system, this education system. We have got to allow them the freedom, the flexibility, the time to be able to plan and collaborate creatively. And so I think that's our responsibility as leaders in education. Nathan, once again, you really nailed something here. So looking at what is on a teacher's plate, you know, budget and what they need to accomplish each day, like thank you for bringing some humanity there. That's (laughs) what I was reaching for and you helped. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to say yes. I think we have to have empathy. And then once we have empathy, then we can build a relationship and help others view things from different perspectives. And I think that's the first step. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I also get frustrated and then Mm -hmm. realize what's the source of it? Why is there the same lesson being taught year by year to year to year? And then Mm -hmm. finally understanding why that is and then helping, helping change that. Totally. And if it weren't for those teachers who decided to dedicate their lives to kids, like where would we all be, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good Uh, point. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you for helping me work through that because at the risk of sounding judgmental, and I don't want to be judgmental, but I'm, I'm making an assertion that doing something the same way over and over again isn't effective. Exactly right. And but without putting judgment on anybody, so it's kind of like a, a tricky dance. Maybe that dance that uh, Seth Godin refers to, <laughs> dancing right, with fear, not wanting yeah. to hurt anybody's feelings, but at the same time knowing that there has to be room to create change and difference. And so you summarize that beautifully. Thank you so much, Nathan. Thank you. Number four. Your tweet, we don't need more hours in school. We need to do school differently with those hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have found through school reform efforts that mm-hmm. schools are trying to find the silver bullet to increase test scores, which is a whole different issue in itself mm-hmm. <laughs> because the goal of school should not be to increase student achievement scores. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's lots of other goals that we have. We should definitely have measures mm-hmm. that can help us make decisions about what to do next and to help students grow. But it's not about test scores. Mm-hmm. But what I found is that school reform efforts are around building more time in, in, into the school day. And 
that's not going to be effective. Um, there's when we talk about research based. There, there's research that shows that keeping kids longer in a classroom is is not going to increase their learning. It's definitely not going to increase their love of learning mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. They're already very tired and exhausted from the day. But if we look at the school day itself. I think we should actually decrease the hour. I didn't put that in the tweet, but I think mm-hmm. we should go to school for less time and give them more opportunities to go out into the world and practice being an entrepreneur and applying the skills that they've learned in a classroom environment. And so if we did school differently within the hours we were given, I think we would see the success and the, the results that we're hoping for. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to continually question the structure of school, the framework we're putting into school, the silos that we're maybe not doing on purpose, but we're, we're siloing certain parts of the day that shouldn't be, and really trying to make the school day look like the future and look like what students will be navigating through when they get out of school. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. We don't need more hours in school. We need to do school differently with those hours. Yeah, that really nails something big, huge. And the good news is, (laughs) when you talk about reform, changes are happening. People are beginning to question this, and they have been questioning it. Change is slow, unfortunately. (laughs) And there is no magic answer or solution. It's about uh, where you're at, you know, your location, what's happening in your community, and how can we innovate the structure, the system, so that it really does support children in a way that when they leave school, it's not just a, you know, that school is a shoebox and then you step out into the world. It shouldn't be like mm. that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, well put, Jenna. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Nathan. You're very inspirational. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, so number five, your tweet If you're willing to teach in ways that others won't, you will have engagement that others don't. And Nathan, I will say this is probably the first tweet I saw from you. And I was like, yes, immediately follow him. (laughs) (laughs) I will follow him wherever he goes. (laughs) Judy, you just liked it because it rhymed. (laughs) (laughs) I, Uh, I like this tweet for so many reasons. One... You're speaking to what needs to be spoken to, and it's about engagement, right? Learning is about engagement, and if that's missing, then we got to look at what's going on here. Yeah. If you're willing to teach in ways that others won't, you will have engagement that others don't. Yeah, maybe I do like it because it rhymes. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it also makes my heart, it rhymes in my heart, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah. Like I really get that. Talk to me about this one. Yeah, I mean, really, your perception and, and what it means to you is is very much what it means to me as well. Mm-hmm. I think as as teachers, we are always looking for ways of engaging students in, in different ways. And we have to realize that um, we create that opportunity for students and we can either inspire or not inspire. We can empower or not. Mm-hmm. And, and we can do things in a way that have never been done and expect students to do things in ways that have never been done as mm-hmm. a result of, of, of how we are providing those opportunities for students. And mm-hmm. so it's created to be an inspiration for teachers everywhere who 
have a dream to have their students go above and beyond, and they so have the capacity to do so. Every student does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just up to us to help inspire students to aspire to do greater and greater things. Mm-hmm. Nathan, I have to fess up here with this this tweet, and uh, I'm. <laughs> As a kid, and I may have mentioned this in a previous episode, but as a kid, I was masterful at showing the teacher that I'm paying attention. Mm. You know, eyes at the front of the room, all sitting up straight, and it looks like I'm paying attention, but I'm a million miles away thinking about space and clouds and, you know, Mm. wherever else my imagination would wander. And so... I would have to pretend to be engaged. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Especially well, when your imagination's calling you. Exactly. And what an amazing opportunity for a teacher to tap into that yeah. imagination. Yeah. And what if a teacher would have engaged you, um, well, just flat out engaged you, was able yeah. to uh, harness that imagination in a way that was going to further your thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to do as teachers. Mm -hmm. You know, Nathan, because I was so aware that I was, and I I did well in school. I did my work. I uh, often hit the honor roll. Mm -hmm. I was checking the boxes where they needed to be checked. But because I was so aware of how frequently I tuned out of instruction, I knew as an adult, this is if I did that, there's an excellent chance that the other kids are doing that as well. And so it took me 15 years to develop the idea, but I created these space for thought lounges. And in these space for thought lounges, so when you do part of uh, conversation is a curriculum I developed to help with engagement in classrooms and helping kids connect and relate to each other and and addressing social emotional as well as problem solving and creating those experiences where they get to work things through together so that it's not just teacher and students it's humans helping humans learn now shameless plug but on a side note the space for thought lounges were designed for kids to recognize what it feels like to be tuned out and to allow their imaginations to wander and or take a break, like just put their brains on snooze. And what the teachers who've experienced this space for thought lounges have access to is like, wow, you know, typically they're about a minute long and no child is willing to interrupt somebody else's experience in the space for thought lounge time. But it heightens their awareness of, okay, so this is what it's like to tune out. And you know what? It's okay to tune out. Let's let's yeah. make this a group thing. We'll all tune right. out together <laughs> so yeah. we can tune back in. Yeah. How many of the greatest innovations, inventions, and new ideas happened not in a structured time, but when we were tuned out yeah. or maybe even by ourselves? It's just for one, thank you. It's fascinating. Thank you for sharing this Space for Thought Lounge idea. So, mm. yes, I agree. I, we need to talk every day because you inspire me as well. Um, <laughs> But I think it also goes to this concept that we don't want the, the pendulum to, to shift so far on the other side where mm-hmm. we are forcing kids to collaborate, collaborate, collaborate all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, collaboration needs to be a part of our social learning environment, mm-hmm. but there needs to be time for individual reflection. Yes. There needs to be time for students to work on their own. Um, yeah. If you think back and just in our adult professional realms, 
uh, I can't imagine spending the whole day working on a group project with people. It's facets of the day, but we have to have time to step away, uh, to tune out, to get some air, to think about a concept in a different way that has to be alone, uh, and yet to have the space to do that. Yes. Wow. Once again, I put an idea out there and you just bring it all in in such a beautiful way. Excellent. I am so excited that we've done this, Nathan. You you took from your quote, if you're willing to teach in ways that others won't, you will have engagement that others don't. So then we ended up talking about what it looks like when people are no longer engaged and how we can use that to actually strengthen that reflection, that internal reflection where some of the greatest ideas occur when you're just, your mind is free to wander yeah, and to solve a problem. I think you and I, we need to like tag team on professional development opportunities, presentations. Yeah. I would love to do that I'm with you. With, I am totally game for that. So like, <laughs> Let the planning commence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nathan, you have been too much fun to interview. Now, bef- <laughs> Likewise. before we wrap up, I do want to go back to the quote I referred to, which had me speechless for a moment. So the quote that you shared with me is, when it's important enough, you do it, even if the odds are not in your favor. Elon Musk. Talk to me about this. Yes, well, as you and I talked in the the pre-show, we both have a tremendous amount of respect for Elon Musk and look at the innovation and look look at what he's doing and and he is seeing his dreams being realized and coming to fruition. And so that is an inspiration, I think, for me. And, And his quote resonates because it's something that I have been doing for years but never gave credence to to doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think as I shared early, early on as a, as a child, I was made to feel insignificant and made to feel that I couldn't do something. And so I think that tension between someone saying you can't and then the dream of wanting something to be a certain way, uh, something that should be a certain way or could be a certain way, you had this tension point and that's what drives me. Mm-hmm. And so I think the more the odds are not in my favor, the more I'm willing and wanting <laughs> to do it. Mm-hmm. My motivation increases, not because I have anything to prove the world, but because I know that if there's an opportunity to make someone else's life better, then why not do it? Beautiful, Nathan. I'm thinking about every child that I've encountered in my 15, 16, 17 years working in the school systems. You know, there's always the one or two kids that when it's important enough, they do it, even if the odds are not in their favor. And we can't always understand what they're doing or why they're doing, but they're driven by something. Yeah. And if you just back off a bit and let them do it, mm-hmm. there's such powerful learning and discovery. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, even on a personal note, I resigned from the school system two years ago to develop conversation. And, you know, two years ago, if I knew what I was going to be up against, the mountains I'd have to climb, the when you have a startup, there's a phrase or a saying that's a bit like chewing glass. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yes. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't not do it because it's that important to me. I will chew glass every day because I'm on the same mission you are. 
Nathan. Yeah. And that's to create a change here. And maybe in the process we can invent something that's going to help chewing that glass not be so painful. So, <laughs> well, full circle. <laughs> we got to be innovative here, Regina. I <laughs> we're love solution. It. We're solution oriented. You are too much fun. That <laughs> quote is fantastic. I'm going to copy and paste that into my notepad. Uh, when I share this episode on Twitter, that may even be the the quote that goes out with it. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm, I need to create a graphic around that quote okay, and, do it. and put it out there. I don't think I ever have, which is yeah. crazy as much as I tweet and create graphics. So that, I think that is going to be the next one. Perfect. I will have the the simple, you know, talk about innovation. All I have to do then is hit retweet. There you go. Look at that. <laughs> easy. Okay, <laughs> easy button. Easy button. I thank you for sharing that quote and sharing your heart and mind with us today, Nathan. It has really been touching, inspiring, and moving. There have been moments in this interview I found tears coming to my eyes because I can really relate to where you're coming from, and it it hits me in my heart. So thank you so much. Now, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, well, first I wanted to say uh, there are times in the interview that I think tears came to my eyes. And so I just really appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to share. And, and you're just such a, an inspirational person as well. And so um, you created a condition where I felt very safe and comfortable sharing with you. And, and mm-hmm. I know you do that with all of your listeners. And so thank you thank <laughs> for providing you, that me. for me. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at... N-A-L-A-N-G-1, Nailing1. And I think I chose that a while back because it was my email address, but I just stuck with it. (laughs) And that's where you can find me. Okay, so let me see if I have this correct. It's at N-A-L-A-N-G-1. Yes. So... Na Lang one. Na Lang one. Na Lang one. Awesome. And of course, if people are following me on Twitter, they just need to see who I'm following to see that you're there. Oh, nice. And you are the co-founder of two Twitter chat groups. And I'd love for you to share with the listeners when those happen. So one we mentioned was Lead Up Chat. That's L E A D U P C H A T. When does that Lead Up Chat happen? So Lead Up Chat occurs every Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central, and I have to give big old props and credit to all of the, the help and support that's been provided with a guy named Jeff and Paul and Todd and Neil. Uh, they make that chat happen every Saturday. So um, although I helped to, to create that and those guys have, have taken uh, and really run with this and have created a really engaging chat every week. So that's every Saturday morning at 8.30. And then um, Diverge Ed, Chris Weber and I, we, we founded that one together. And again, he's kind of taken this and run with it as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not every week, but just depends on some of the projects that we have going on. So when it does occur, which there will be a chat this Tuesday, September 19th, mm-hmm. which when this airs, I don't know if uh, it may be past that time. But anyway, mm-hmm. okay. it, this that chat occurs every few weeks, 7 p.m. Central on Tuesdays. Okay, Central time. All right, that is most helpful. So we've got Lead Up Chat and Diverge Ed. 
And Lead Up Chat happens weekly, 8.30 a.m. Central. I don't know what that is, Pacific. Do you? It's too, too early Pacific, <laughs> okay. which is 6.30. Okay, so 6.30, so two-hour time difference. All right, 6.30 a.m., which is probably why I haven't actually ever joined a Lead Up Chat. There you go. Not right. usually awake at 6.30 a.m. on a Saturday, <laughs> but for you, I would. <laughs> You're so sweet. Well, I did, I did facilitate last week, and... Uh, I had to have extra coffee for <laughs> for that morning, so I'm I'm definitely sleeping in this Saturday. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Now, Nathan, I'm actually not kidding about doing some kind of pro D with you, and I'd love to follow up with you on that. Yeah. Or even look at you know hosting a Twitter chat with you on some kind Absolutely. of focus, something we talked about today, something that's not really being okay. done because we're solution oriented, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yes, and they're innovative and. <laughs> <laughs> we're providing, we just need to kind of find our little, time, what would you call it, a timeout space, not a timeout space, mm. uh, time, time to think or space Space to for think. thought lounge. Yeah, space for thought, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, as long as we create our own little fun lounge, I think mm-hmm. we can make anything happen. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that I actually reached out to you. Because I'm just a little, I'm, wait, if you look at numbers on Twitter, I've got just little numbers there on <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> I actually don't use Twitter a lot, but I use, like, I don't post a lot on Twitter, but I use Twitter to find out what's happening in the education sphere. And so reaching out to you and your warm response back and us coordinating to make this happen, I acknowledge you for making this happen today, Nathan. Thank you so much. Absolutely. No, I, I, uh, the, the Twitter following thing, it just it takes a lot of commitment to yeah. posting content so much. And I use Buffer that helps to mm. schedule my tweets for me. So I load all my content into Buffer mm-hmm. and then let Buffer do its magic. So uh, the chats definitely help as well whenever yeah. you, especially when I was doing a weekly chat, that helped to kind of build that uh, following. So mm-hmm. uh, and then just engaging with people on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, and them being able to see that you're a real person and that um, mm-hmm. you have something to offer in the education space. Totally. And I'm going to take your feedback and with that add, you know, sometimes I enjoy kind of not being known in a space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I enjoy kind of being anonymous to some degree, but I get that you recognize something in my communication. Absolutely. I do. And I hope to see you out more in the the Twitter space. I think that would be... So I want to see more from from Jenna. Okay. I'll take that on. Thank you so much, Nathan. This is just the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I agree. Absolutely. Thank you, new friend, for today (laughs) and for um, everything. I look forward to our continued friendship. Awesome. Thank you, Nathan. Okay. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You've been listening to the learning and leadership episode of the Conversation Podcast. Today, I spoke with Dr. Nathan Lang, and we explored his background, his amazing career working in the education space, the tweets that caught my attention and thousands of other educators' attention around the globe. Nathan is one very inspired human being who is up to make huge differences in the lives that he encounters. You can find him on Twitter at N-A-L-A-N-G-1. He leads the lead up chat and 
founded the Diverge Ed Chat, which doesn't have a regular scheduled time, but follow Nathan to keep those inspiring tweets in your space and join us again next time. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. This is The Conversation Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time, this is your host, Missy Jenna, sending you a lot of love and good wishes.